first known rules of golf were drawn up in 1744 by the gentleman golfers of Edinburgh in Leith, Scotland. Since then, the game has changed dramatically. Golf courses, equipment, and not least the rules. So where do I go when I want to learn about the rules of the game today? Well, I go to the Golf Rules Questions podcast with Blakey and Roscoe, of course. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to Golf Rules Questions podcast, episode 72 with myself and Stuart as co-hosts this week. Uh, it's been a little break, we've had a little break away from the airwaves, uh, but now we're back. Hey Stuart, how are you? Yeah, good Blakey, great. Very happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, you, well, you're the one that's had uh, a bit of a break, so uh, how, how was it? Very good? Uh, very good, thank you. Just got home two days ago. From Los Angeles, yeah, had a nice week and a half away on holiday. Did but you, now, of uh, course, uh, sorry, I should just say, but now we've got summer coming up and we know golf just in this country, so far as events is concerned, really amps up, picks up, especially with the Australian Open coming up soon. So just full on, we've just come back into full on golf, haven't we? Go, uh, golf activity and events and what have you. A lot of stuff coming up. Yeah, and it looks, looks like a pretty big calendar on the uh, PGA PGA Tour of Australasia. That's it. Uh, the Australasian Tour. Um, yeah, some pretty good, robust tournaments on there. So, uh, and it's on TV now. So, good, good up to them um, for getting it on TV on the Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so, what do we got to? First, we got the GRQOTW for seventy-one. Uh, can you repeat what that was from last week? I can, and uh, it's a bit of a bit involved. This one, a bit complex. So, Andy, the average golfer, sprays his tee shot right on the fourth hole at Wombat Hills, and his ball comes to rest in thick bushes. I think everyone's with us so far. He decides to take to take unplayable ball relief and drops his ball using lateral relief. So we know that's a two club length relief area semicircle. Um, he asks Big P to pick up his provisional ball, which is on the fairway. Andy, the average golfer, plays his next stroke into a green side bunker. As he starts walking towards the green, only 15 metres on, he sees his original ball in bushes and realises then that the ball he dropped was not his. With the drop ball now near the green in a green side bunker and his provisional ball in his pocket or Big P's pocket, how must Andy, the average golfer, proceed and are there any penalty strokes? Bit of a tricky question, that one, Stuart. So the answer is that Andy's hit the original ball, so we've got one. Then may not, uh, not sure if he's going to find it, so he's hit a provisional ball, very good. Potentially three off the tee. Goes down there, finds a ball. Now, you and I both know that there is no penalty if you just put a tee beside your, uh, any ball, lift it up, and if it's yours, it's uh, then you just replace it, no penalty. If it's not, you can probably, I don't know, maybe put that in your bag or check if there's other players that may own that ball. Uh, but what Andy's done is he hasn't identified it, thought that it's, all, it's his and it's in an unplayable spot and then dropped a ball thinking that he's taken an unplayable ball for that ball, which wasn't his. Effectively, what he's done is he's picked up the provisional, moved it to a different spot, substitute in another ball uh, when not permitted 
and also dropped it and played it from the wrong place. So one off the tee, or potentially three off the tee. It was three once uh, they lost that lost ball. Um, then the stroke, so four, and the two-shot penalty for playing from the wrong place. That's six. So he lies six in the bunker and a very good lesson, I hope, for going forward. Well, as uh, you and I have spoken about, so in the general area, you have three options for an unplayable, as we know, and you would go 19.2 A, B, and C. You have three options. And for two of those, you must know the location of your ball to take unplayable ball relief using lateral or back on the line. You must know. And the only option under 19.2 that you don't need to know the location of your original ball is, of course, stroke and distance, which you can take at any time, anywhere on the course. Even um, when a ball is moving. Even when a ball is moving. Um, so in this particular case, yeah, he sort of proceeded under an inapplicable rule because he hadn't identified his original ball and theoretically wasn't allowed to take uh, lateral relief or back on the line relief, but could proceed under stroke and distance. Um Yes, that's what I came up with, uh, lying six in the greenside bunker. And to me, the issue was, and 14.7 covers this, about playing from a wrong place, and it's a general penalty, we know that, but whether it's a serious or not serious breach and how you hole out if you have, in fact, played from a wrong place. And the rule's pretty clear that if it's not a serious breach, and we would assume in this particular case it wasn't, let's say where he has dropped, it was like 10 metres away, from the provisional, maybe even worse conditions in longer grass, something like that. Therefore, you would deem that as not being a serious or not a serious breach. Excuse me. And then if you play from a wrong place when it's not a serious breach, you actually continue play the whole having played from that wrong place and you don't try to correct anything. But, of course, we know if it is a serious breach, um, then there is a different procedure. Um, and that is, you know, you need to correct the mistake if you're able to do that. And it actually says, if it is a serious breach, the player must correct the mistake by playing at the hole with a ball played from the right place under the rules. If the player does not correct the mistake before making a stroke to begin another hole or for the final hole of the round before returning his or her scorecard, the player is disqualified. And then it throws in another wobbly saying, if you actually don't know whether it's serious or not, you'd actually play from two places. And almost like proceeding under two balls and stroke play, you actually play two balls and you work it out, or the committee works it out later, whether it was a serious breach or not. So that provision's in there as well, um, under 14.7. I was thinking about that. If you if you do believe it's a serious breach, uh, then you could go back and play one. And if you don't want to play two, just do that option. Because if, if it is a serious breach, then you've done the right thing. If it's not a serious breach, then you just you you're not going to get disqualified uh, in a stroke play round, but you just get an extra two shots for another wrong place penalty. That's what I think was hilarious. The last bit of um, fourteen point seven, the very last bit, in fact, of that particular rule that if you do play um, what you believe is from the wrong place, and then but also correcting it, playing from the wrong place, <laughs> if you if actually the if you actually both are playing from the wrong place, you actually haven't played a ball from where you should have played it from, you can actually end up with four penalty strokes, which I think is what you just said. Or of course, it can be disqualification if in fact it was a serious breach. Yes. Which I yeah. think is pretty funny. So you think you're doing the right thing, go, oh, I 
not sure if I should be playing from there, but I'll play from here because I think that is the right place. But it ends up neither are the right place. And you're just compounding the error. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is pretty funny. <laughs> it is funny. You think you're doing the right thing. The committee says, yeah, no worries. You know, that's six you had. Yeah, it's a 10. <laughs> rough. Yeah, definitely. Um, anyway, obviously a complicated question. And uh, I'm not sure if you had anyone with eagerness, you know, replying into you and saying what they what they thought the answer was. But anyway. No, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, I'd like to talk about, if you don't mind, your recent uh, video about GU Lim at the Women's Asia Pacific Amateur. Yep. Which has actually got quite a few views. And if you haven't checked it out, please go and watch that. Just a great example of what not to do when your ball is in thick grass and bushes. And I just wanted your thoughts on, so we're talking about rule 8.1 and taking actions to improve one of your conditions affecting the stroke, and which I think GU Lim did um, very, very well with, with great competency, whether she was that deliberate or, as you wrote in some of the comments, maybe just a little bit of inexperience there. But I was wondering how often do you think that would happen at club golf? at Clubland, how often would you have four guys playing, four women playing, and someone, you know, backs into a tree, moves the branches out of the way, unless you hear this distinct crack of a branch breaking, how often would another player in that group go, mate, that's a that's a two-stroke penalty. You've moved those branches too far. You've definitely improved your swing area. That's a two-stroke penalty. How often do you reckon that would happen at club golf? Uh, 90, 95%. I mean, the, the thing is, you are allowed to fairly back into the branch, and if it breaks, there's no penalty there. The The tricky thing here, and as we saw in the video, uh, that was just blatantly improving her conditions around the ball by removing the vine, removing the grass. Um, that wasn't part of taking the, the stance. The players uh, had already taken their stance, and they were just trying to work out their action of their downswing into the ball, uh, backswing as well, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, it's an interesting one. The The rules say least intrusive. Yeah. And least intrusive is sort of how you think when you're looking at the uh, situation what the least intrusive is. So if you see a least intrusive path, and I saw one on the weekend at the uh, the Queensland PGA, where the player blatantly walked back into the reeds or the um, tussock uh, to sort of help their backswing. Now, one person might see that as least intrusive, whereas another person, possibly me, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't see that as least intrusive and would actually see that as they've gained a bit of an advantage there by pressing down the tussocks. Uh, it, it didn't look great. Um, and it looked, you know, it looked pretty blatant, but at the same time, that player could genuinely have thought this is the least intrusive way I'm going to get to the ball. And so they don't get penalized if they believe unless they're, you know, the committee decides on top of them saying, no, nah, there's no way, even if your ignorance of um, what least intrusive is, 
Uh, there is no way you're getting away with that one. Uh, but, you know, if the player generally, and, it's, and that's where the word reasonable comes in, if it's reasonable to expect that this, that this was least intrusive, then there is no penalty. I didn't think it was that reasonable, but uh, that, that's sort of the differing, uh, the differing sort of terms for where the player is going to get the penalty and where they're not. Imagine in a professional event, say a three ball, and one player did something like what you just said, um, no video evidence, and another player in that group, whether they were the marker or not, doesn't matter, thought, not sure you're allowed to do that, doesn't say anything at the time, and as they're handing in their scorecards, just grabs an official aside and goes, I really didn't like what I saw in the 12th hole by Jack. Um, he did this, um, just sort of run it by you. Um, yeah, of course, the official might say, did you raise it at the time? He's going to go, oh, no, I didn't want to do that. Didn't want to upset him, but I just didn't like it. I didn't think it was right. And there's no evidence. That wouldn't go very far, would it? You might oh, ask the player. No. Not really. I mean, you'd say to the the marker, the person in the group, whatever, spectator, well, show me what they did. Mm. You get you get their versions of, of the events. You go to the player, look, this has happened. Um Someone's made a, a query about what you did on the 14th hole or whatever it was. Um, can you show me what you did? Yeah, yeah. If you've got daylight and if you've got time. Drive them out. Drive them out there. What what did you do? And then come up with a, you know an answer, whether it's a penalty or not a penalty. It's a tough one because, yeah, you don't have any evidence. It's, it's A versus B, mm. um, you know. B's coach and caddy and sister and brother all go, yeah, yeah, they cheated and, and A is standing there. You, you know, whilst that does have some weight, it can't have all the weight because you know that they're biased for whatever yes, of course. Um, player B says. Don't care too much what the brother says. But at the same time, the match committee, if they do have experience with A and B, uh, they'll take that into account as well. You know, We know if, players if, have if, reputations, don't we? Absolutely. And, yeah. and and that's the thing about golf. You can't say to me, well, you shouldn't be biased. It should be all, um, you know, a, as you come and it's a different player on a different day. No, for me, that doesn't, it doesn't sit well. Um, if you've done something in the past, that's not, not, that's not good. You have to live with that. You know, you, whether you do your jail time, you <laughs> still, you still have, you know, penalty or DQ. You still have to live with what you've done. Um, if you're ignorant, um, you didn't actually know that there was a rule. Yeah, that's your first, your first and one only, one and only excuse. Uh, but if you keep using that, then again you start getting this reputation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, player A would be saying, "Who, uh, by the way, who who raised this with you? With you? Who actually dobbed me in? Who brought this up?" Yeah, and there's going to be a small group of people. I mean, if it's a video evidence, ugh, video evidence like at the Masters or the US Open, the Open, it wouldn't matter, you know, no. who, who brought it up. Usually yeah, it's yeah. usually it's the other player's caddy and they just do it on the slide. Mm. But uh, on the slide, sorry. Uh, but, uh, you know, if it's video evidence, everyone would have seen it anyway. Um, but, yeah, if it's in a club land or if it's in a you know, little club championship or something like that, then there's not going to be too many people um, around and you're going to know who... Who brought it up and whatnot. 
Would it be similar in a, say, professionals playing match play and player A and B again and A takes these actions, B goes, I don't like the look of that. Um, player B, knowing the rules, might say, look, I'm going to request a ruling, make a claim. They might say, but request a ruling, ask for a ruling. Player A wins the hole and B's making, you know, requesting the ruling. And then B goes to you and say, look, 12th hole, this is what I A did. I think it was a breach. I think I should have won the hole because of that, but I ended up winning the hole. Again, you'd have to just, two people, no video evidence. You'd have to drive A out to the spot and go show me what you did almost. And then he's probably going to give you a slightly watered down version of what, <laughs> what he did anyway, you know. Um, well, that's, that's when you're hoping that B uh, gives you the slightly watered up version. Of, <laughs> no, 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 he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Oh, he pressed it down. And then again, you just have to. You just have to make a ruling and that's what, you know, as part of the committee. And most of the times you're going to side with the player. Right. Okay. Um, I, again, unless uh, there's a reputation on the line. Mm. You know, it, it's the same in, um, in footy, AFL. Uh, when you go to the, uh, the tribunal, you know, they, they might give someone a week um, because this is the first time they've ever done it and, it, and you know, They've got a good reputation, whereas you might give someone else five or six weeks for the same thing because they've done it before and this is the fourth time or the fifth should time. Know better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know that you know that it's it's a it's a re- reoccurring event for them. So the only way to stamp it out is to really throw the book at them. Now, prove me wrong, please, but I reckon eight point one might be the rule that has the most amount of room for interpretation. You know, being yeah, subject yeah. subject to you know your your view on something, my view on something, player B's view on something. Surely that's the one that has the most room. Uh, yeah, I I agree with you on that. You know, I saw a player taking a firm stance. You know, digging their feet down in a bunker a few years ago at the Open Championship, and so suddenly I was like, well, if that's if that's allowed at the open run by the RNA, then that's, that's the standard there, you know, that I, I don't mind that. It's not up to me to determine that, but we're always, because of the varied nature of the golf rules, uh, we're always looking for that black and white, you know, we don't, we don't like gray, even though there is plenty of gray in this game. Uh, but we're always looking for what is the black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, look, I, I must confess, on the 12th hole at Henley a few years ago, a guy's ball was in thick bushes, and with whatever iron he had, he was literally, with all of his force, smashing things out of the way so he could actually get a clearer path to the ball. And afterwards, I could not say nothing. It was just so – you use the word blatant a bit, right? And I don't mean just using your, your right foot to move something over a little bit. I mean – like he was taking an axe to something. And I just said, you can't, you can't. I don't remember my exact words. I said, you can't do that. He goes, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was just really frustrated. And he did it. I said, two straight. He had 45 points on the day, which was reduced to 43. So he had a really, really good day. So he still had 43 points playing off 20-something. But um, I called him on it. And I don't think I've ever called anyone else on this particular rule, ever. I mean, I see someone, you know, least intrusive. I'm not going to run 50 metres over and go, mate, you can't do that or something. But this particular one, when he was taking axe to the bushes, was so wrong. It was so obvious. 
um, that I did call someone on this particular rule. At yeah. 43, did he lose by a shot? I don't remember. It was a few years ago now, but obviously he had a very good day. But he eventually sort of called it on himself, the penalty. He goes, yeah, that's fair enough. You know, I'll apply the two strokes. Um, but I shouldn't have had to. I mean, he shouldn't. Anyway, he was just well, frustrated. That, he and said, that's a that's a good point. You shouldn't have to call him on it. He should call it on himself. But, you know, it's more embarrassing. He was embarrassed, I think. He was embarrassed. He said, yeah, no, you're right. I was just really frustrated. And he's yeah. You know, he's having such a great day and he's put his ball in this bush, which he just yeah, couldn't right. play. He couldn't hit it. Yeah, um, right. Anyway, on rulings, if I may, just quickly, you know the story from a month or two ago at an event about a club you know well where I had a bit of a run-in with a, a player's marker. Yeah. And without getting into the details, um, this particular person said to me when I called the group aside after the 10th hole, they walked off a par three, I said, guys, I just need you for a minute. Just wanted to clarify what happened two holes ago. And we sort of got to the facts. The facts were all pretty straightforward. There wasn't really any confusion about the facts. It was just this player's marker who misunderstood a rule. And I had the unfortunate displeasure of this person saying to me, quote, you're wrong. I know the rules. Um, I will find the rule and prove you wrong, end quote, and then walked off. Now, you and I know this scenario and um, the player's marker was in fact incorrect and to his credit he apologized to both myself and the player afterwards um have you ever had a situation that got i don't think that was ugly it was just unnecessary but have you ever had a situation in all of your refereeing experience where you've had a player clearly unhappy with what you've told him or her yeah well while while i was away on my recent trip i had two sometimes you're there you know as I said, you're just there to make or um, protect the field. And I had one where the player thought that their ball or he had some interference with um, wheel tracks or tyre marks. Now, in my mind, they have to be deep. And if they are not like, you know, I'm going to be more lenient if they're the closer to the fairway they are. His ball was 40 metres right of the fairway. So I'm not going to be lenient at all. You know, that's just, you, you couldn't tell. You could tell that a vehicle would sort of be there, but, you know, in the last month, the last year or, or whenever, <laughs> it could have been there three years ago. It was sort of just rolling hills of um, sand or, um, something like that. So I denied relief and they were on the, I had them on the clock as well. Um, so I was kind of just trying to get in and out as quick as possible. Uh, he didn't really, they didn't really kick up a stink too much. Um, he just chipped the ball out. But then I later heard that he was, he was asking who the hell, who the hell was that referee? Cause uh, to one of the, one of the um, tour staff. Um, you know, who the hell is that referee? He'll uh, never work on an event ever again whilst I'm playing. Because he was a bit harsh giving me that ruling. But, you know, they, and this is the funny thing about um, referees on the tour. They, you're working, you know, obviously you're working, the, the players are your boss, but it's not just that particular player is your boss. It's no, every player. So you've got you to yeah. try and be fair. Um, but, you know, rest of the week, uh, you know, 
I didn't have a conversation. I didn't have a, like a friendly chat, chit chat. How are you going? Who's, you know, how are your mum and dad? But I had other conversations, you know, uh, we're trying to hurry the group in front up for you or, hey, guys, we're trying to get finished before daylight. Um, so you can, can you please go a bit faster? All those kind of conversations. He gave other people rulings in his group. So he sort of started, you know, this was the, sort of the first time he'd ever seen me. And then after two weeks, he sort of realized that I was going to be around for a bit longer. <laughs> um, and as long as I'm fair, it might not have been fair to him on that particular ruling because it was the first time I saw him and I had him on the clock. So he wasn't liking me. Mm. Um, but as, you know, as the two weeks went on, he realized that I was just there to do my job. And as long as it was perceived fear from him, um, you know, that he, he softened his stance towards me. So, uh, yeah, you sort of have that sort of, um, you know, the guest referees that come in and just do one event for the, for the pros, because the pros are so in their little box and little circle of, of people that they know. And then if they don't know you, yeah, they are a bit taken aback when you deny, deny them relief for something. Like, who are you to come in and... Because Ralph yeah. would have given me relief. Correct. Referee yeah. Ralph. Yeah, who gave me relief from something last week, that, that mm. type of thing. But once they start realising that you're going to be here for a while, um, as long as you're fair, it might not be a nice ruling, but as long as you're fair... Yeah, uh, consistent. They, they'll accept that. Now, I had another one, and the other one... Uh, see, in the past, I possibly could have given this one, but it was... His ball would come to, and it, this was in Cairo, and they had a lot of, because uh, it's you know desert, obviously, it's sand everywhere. Um, there's these little plastic pipes for um, irrigation. irrigation throughout the, the rough, throughout the rough. So they've got plants planted there, and they just have, there's pipes everywhere. I'm, I mean everywhere, not, I'm, you know, it's almost more pipe than sand. <laughs> This guy, his ball comes to rest underneath this sort of tree, and he's he's just off the cut mark, so he really needs to. He had a terrible drive on seventeen, but he, he really needed to go eagle birdie, possibly to make the cut, maybe birdie birdie. Anyway, he's hit this terrible drive, and he's wanting free relief. And I sort of go down there, and he goes, and I go, I don't think that you're going to hit that pipe. It was very similar to the Brooks Kepka one. Right a cup at the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Uh, it was very similar. And I had that in my mind. I was like, you know, there is a possibility, there is a possibility that this guy hits it, hits it down on the ball to pop it out to the 18th fairway, which that, that didn't seem as reasonable as he was selling it. But there <laughs> is a possibility that he could hit this pipe. But I don't, in my mind, think that that is a reasonable shot and he is just trying to get relief uh, from this crappy situation. So it wasn't, for me, it wasn't the fact that uh, he couldn't have tried to play that shot and hit. Like if you gave him 100 balls, or if, if you gave him three balls and it wasn't in the second round, he could have absolutely taken his wedge and hit that pipe. But I didn't think that that was reasonable. So I denied him relief, but I denied him relief and then offered him a second opinion. I said, 
look, I can get you a second opinion. And he sort of, yeah, he was short with me and said no. And I said, are you sure you don't want a second opinion? No. And so I just left. Oh, God. Oh, so he, he proceeds to hit the ball. And, and the reason that I didn't, mainly didn't give him relief, but there were rocks and quite large stones. So the fact that you would try and drive down into the ball just to hit that pipe, you're probably going to do some kind of damage if you hit your stones and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, no, that, that's not a reasonable shot. No person would actually try and attempt that shot uh, with that level of trying to hit your club down into the ground. Like you, you could attempt angle of try, attack. Yeah. You try and knife the ball or something like that, right? You wouldn't angle of attack to try and and, and be reasonably uh, be reasonable that you're going to hit the pot. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, I drove over to the other side of the fairway because I've got to keep watching this group because they're they're on behind. The clock. I'm not on the clock. Okay. They're not on the clock, but they were close. I should have. But at the same time, I was just, hey, guys, we need to keep going. We need to keep going. I asked them really nicely, really nicely, twice. They didn't make up time. So that means my group behind, the last group of the day, had a very high chance of having to come back on a Friday, on a Saturday morning. And they probably the round. Mm-hmm. And it's finished the second round. They're going to probably miss the cut. So, you know, they would have been devastated about that. And there was no need. This group was had lost time. Anyway, regardless of that. I drive over to the other side of the fairway, keep watching this group. This guy tries to knife his ball, hits a tree, down into scrub, lost ball. Oh. So he got the drop after all. So I drive back. We do a little bit of a search. You know, this is eating up time. I'm like, this is ridiculous. The people are standing on the tee. Actually, the guys on the tee, they didn't realise that we were sort of doing this down here. They just hit. Luckily, Mm. they didn't hit us, but they just hit, so that was good. But uh, then he... Then he, okay, I'm going to take stroking distance. I go, okay, great. You've got one club length. As I say, he got his drop after all, didn't he? He drops he drops his ball for a penalty. It comes to rest in a sort of a shitty spot up against a pipe. Oh. This time it was blatantly up against the pipe and the backs, the downswing would have hit the pipe before the ball. First. So yeah. I said, okay, now you get free relief. Yeah. And you've got another club length. We finally got him back into play. He chipped it out into a bunker, chipped it out of the bunker, put it on the green, and ended up with must have ended up with seven nine. or eight or something. Yeah. It was it was ridiculous. Um, and then obviously this cup probably hates me forever, but uh, uh, you know sometimes it just doesn't go your way. Um, Talk about rubbing salt into the wound, though, hitting that ball that he didn't want to play from that spot and then losing it. Yes, God, that would have been just an awful feeling. It's, it's funny, you sort of, you know, you ha- as a human being, you've got these emotions, these feelings that you you put on, you know, you, you don't want to be biased. You, you try to look after the whole field, as I keep saying. Uh, but you're always going to have human emotions. And if I give someone a tough, not a wrong ruling, if I give someone a tough ruling, I'm always hoping that they will play a good shot after. Exactly. Yeah, but it won't be an issue. Yeah. If I give someone a soft ruling, you know, I'm like, oh, I really need to give them free relief there. I'm always hoping they stuff up. If they they stuff up, they get their karma, 
It's a bit of balance. It's a it's a balance. But to see this guy, give him a tough ruling, then he attempts and, the shot because he's trying to make birdie birdie to mm, make make the cut. Whatever. Possibly make the cut, yeah. And he hits the tree and loses a ball. Oh, I felt I felt terrible. It, it, it is what it was. Very good. Are we ready for GRQOTW? Yes. Yes, we can uh, smash is that. Enough, that enough for today? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I actually, just reiterating, I did talk about Morocco, didn't I, Mala in 71. Uh, Cairo, uh, beautiful. We got to the pyramids. Uh, just like what I'm feeling at the moment, I was a bit under the weather. Actually, that was food, food poisoning on the Wednesday. Um, so that wasn't great. But uh, managed to get to the pyramids. Yeah, they look awesome, amazing. Whoever built them, we'll never know. But um, they, uh, they're phenomenal things. A lot of the people were like, oh, they're not as big as they thought they would be. Um, but I, I personally, Every bit of it, are they? <laughs> I personally thought that they were pretty big, um, yeah. considering they're made by humans, not, mm. you know, back uh, whatever, it's how many years. A long time ago, yeah. People think. Um, so I thought they were pretty amazing. But, uh, you know, they're just in the middle of the sort of sandy national park, I, I guess they would say. And then the rest of Cairo is around it. Um, Cairo's huge. It's a bit of a dirty city, a bit of an untidy city. I mean, I saw, we were just driving the bus down the road and I saw one of their citizens just walk out into the street and just throw rubbish on the street. So I, I wasn't impressed by that. I thought that was disgusting. Anyway, but that sort of, with all the litter and stuff, you sort of get the feeling that that is just normal. Mm. Uh, but then we, so Cairo is sort of here along the Nile. Um, the Nile's a bit dirty, um, but uh, they're building a new Cairo and they're going to sort of move people off the Nile or off around hmm. the um, around the uh, the motorways right in the heart of Cairo. They're going to move people over to New Cairo and then east of New Cairo they've got, um, they're going to build a new sort of suburb called um, the Capital or something like the capital, and they're going to build all the government buildings there as well. So, um, yeah, I probably I would recommend going there. It was eye opener for me, um, but that was my ticked off my sixth continent. So pretty uh, happy with that one, and then uh, made my way back last week. And now, as I said, we've uh, got six more weeks till Christmas, and a lot of golf happening. Yeah, and a lot of golf happening. Are you going to get down to the Oz Open uh, in two weeks? Yeah, I'm working all four days. Oh, you're volunteering. I've got, I've got uh, heaps of golf coming up. I've got that's the nice. Australian Open. Well, you know, I've got the qualifying round for the Australian Open. Yeah, that's it. And then day. I'm doing the June's medal and then the Australian Open. Then I'm doing Cathedral Invitational and then the Super Six and no, then the do. Victorian Amateur and then the uh, and then the Sandbelt Invitational. So between now and Christmas. I haven't started. I, I was just about to start studying the new rules or the updated changes, and we want to do a podcast as soon as we can. However, you've still got six more weeks of 2019 rules. I've got a lot so, of golf between now so and you, Christmas. You really won't want to start studying the up or the changes until 1 January almost. No, I, I need to do some prep. Um. So, that, yeah, that's going to be an interesting situation for you. I don't think my tournament, my next tournament won't be until 
start a fib, I think. So you'll be doing a lot of a lot of golf officiating. Yes, before, a lot for me. I do. All right, very good. Uh, what's Quite the G R Q O T W for seventy two? Well, I must admit this is a lot easier than uh, any of the average golfer situation. <laughs> so this is pretty straightforward. Should be Helen finds her ball in a red penalty area and moves a loose impediment next to her ball. However, in doing so, her ball moves. Thinking that that might be a penalty and in an attempt to avoid the penalty, she then decides to pick up her ball and take a lateral relief from the penalty area. How many penalty strokes in total for Helen? Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. Um... Let us know if you've got an answer to that one. Otherwise, uh, listen into episode 73 and we'll tell you. Thank you, Stuart. For, My pleasure. Uh, episode 72. Uh, good luck with your refereeing coming up. And, Thank you. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay. Thanks, Blakey. See you then.